Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome back. It is Tuesday, September the 27th, 2022, and I am delighted to be with you this morning. I hope that everybody is doing well, that your week is just progressing nicely. Um, what a joy it is to be back with you. In fact, it, it's it's great because my uh, my uh, technology is even working this morning. I can actually see um, you. I can well, I can see me at least, and I can see comments at the end of of the review. I'm just making sure that everything is working well. Yes, indeed. Um, again, great day, great day. It's uh, it's going to be in the mid 60s here today. I don't think it's going to make it to 70. It's supposed to be bright and sunshiny. It's in the 40s outside right now. I don't know where it is where you live, but it is delightful in Spotswood, Virginia. I hope that you had a good Monday yesterday too. Where we find ourselves today is picking up where we left off in John chapter 10. Maybe you recall what we covered yesterday. We talked about how the Jews were very divided over who Jesus was. In fact, where we picked up was in verse 19, and it says, this is chapter 10, by the way. In verse 19, it says that these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And it's from there that Jesus then picks up. He's at the Feast of Dedication. He goes around and, and he's in Solomon's Columnade, right? He's in the temple, which was very commonplace for Jesus. When he was in Jerusalem, he went to the temple to teach. Same paradigm that we find in the book of Acts with the apostles, right? Also, it's very common for, for Jesus and for teachers of the like to do this. But he went there. He, he began teaching. He started talking about the miracles that he had given. Um, and he makes this statement, right? This statement that cannot be mistaken. This statement that makes me scratch my head. And if I had any hair left, I'd pull it out over this idea, talked about it Sunday, talked about it yesterday, this idea that some people have that Jesus doesn't claim to be God. Y'all, it is absolutely ludicrous. And you see it not only from cults who deny Jesus's divinity, right? Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, you see them say, oh, no, 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 Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus never claimed to be God. Jesus just claimed to be a God. Right, which that's a whole other issue. One of the passages they use is the passage that we come to today. That's not fair. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't claiming to be a God, right? Jesus is claiming to be the one true God. Why do we say that? Oh, I don't know. John 10 30. I and the Father are one. Now, before you say, well, he's just talking about relationship and how close they are. Well, if he's just talking about how close they are, then why does the verse that we pick up today with say, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him? <laughs> We're going to see. They accuse him of blasphemy. It's not blasphemous to say you're close to God. It is blasphemy to say that you are God. So that's what Jesus laid down yesterday in our passage. And again, Jewish people are very divided over Jesus, and that's because of what Jesus does, did, continues to do. 
Jesus put them in a spot where either they would believe exactly who he was or they would reject him outright. He leaves no room for anything else. His word leaves no room for anything else. And the question that we face is, are we going to believe it or will we deny it? It is my prayer that you believe it um, and that you are willing to carry this word to those who do not so that they would believe it too. But today we'll see even more reaction from Jesus to this. All right. So he knows that they want to kill him. But let's see how he responds to this. But first, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our God and our Father, what a blessing it is to have this time together. We thank you for it. We pray that you would guide us in it, that your name would be lifted up and glorified, that, um, Father, we would testify to both the authenticity of your Son and the importance of belief in him and him alone as the only means of salvation. So please guide us in this time. Guide us through these verses that are often misused. Um, and we give you the praise and honor and glory. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so where we're picking up today is John chapter 10, verse 31. Okay, the reason I gave the introduction that I gave is because it says, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone. As I've always said, right, when you pick up at a transitional word, a transitional statement, it's like... Uh, for instance, where we picked up yesterday, at these words, the Jews were again divided. So we backed up to see what in the world these words were that divided the Jews. Just like today, again, the Jews picked up stones and stone. Why does it say again? Well, because of what Jesus has just said. He has just claimed to be God. I and the Father are one. John chapter 10, verse 30, verse 31. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? You know, it's amazing how disarming, you know, no, no pun intended, that, that Jesus is here. You know, these people are in a frenzy. They're about to kill him, okay? They are about to execute him on the spot. Though execute isn't really a fair word. This is a lynching. Okay, they're not waiting for a judge. There was no jury. Um, they're, they're not bringing forth any witness. Nope, none of that. None of that. They're like, mm, okay, time for him to go. Right? They picked up stones. They're about to kill him. And did you get what he asked him? Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. From which of these do you stone me? Or for which of these do you stone me? And instead of killing him, they stop in their tracks. Listen to what they say. Verse 33, we are stoning you, or excuse me, we are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. All right, now, let's get to that which I started off with this morning. What we're reading does away with this false concept. I mentioned the fact that Jews, uh, or not Jews, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, well, very clearly the Jews, right? But Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, do not believe that Jesus is God. In fact, if you start digging around in this, you know, you find out some really weird things, especially from the Mormons. They believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers after God procreated with a woman. You know, I'm not making this stuff up. I mean, and it gets weirder than that. 
But nevertheless, they believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers, you know, all this other business. They do not believe that Jesus is God. One of the things they say is, oh, wait, no, Jesus never claimed to be God. And John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, is really not a proper translation. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. You know, if you press a Mormon on this and you say, well, okay, so Jesus never claimed to be God. No, 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 no. Well, why do the people around him want to kill him for claiming to be God? You know, it seems like if uh, Jesus isn't claiming to be God and they say, and he says, hey, why are you doing this? And they say, we're doing this because you claim to be God. You know, a very simple solution to this would, Jesus, would be Jesus saying, oh, time out, guys. I'm not God. Never claimed to be God. You misunderstood me. Well, all I said was I'm close to God or fill in the blank. You know, Jesus could have dealt with this very, very easily. In fact, you got to pick, right? Because on the same hand that Mormons say that Jesus never really claimed to be God, they say that Jesus lived the perfect life. And by following his example, then we'll get into heaven, which again, we've talked about that in the past. We don't need an example to follow. We need a substitute to die for us, right? So Mormons have to pick because either Jesus is God, like he said he was, or um, guys, they can't at the same time say he lived a perfect life because later on when he was on trial, he never corrected them when they accused him of blasphemy. So that would make Jesus a liar. If Jesus never claimed to be God, and yet these people are saying that he claimed to be God, he could very easily say, whoa, guys, calm down. I'm not God. I'm just trying to show you the way that you should go, the, the path that you should follow. I'm trying to give you an example here, and I'm showing you what you can do and what you can be doesn't say that. Later on when he's arrested and he's accused of blasphemy, guess what? Jesus doesn't correct them when they accuse him of blasphemy. So that would make him a liar unless he really is God. These people knew that Jesus was saying that he was God. And not only do the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and other cults deny this, you see this in liberal Christianity as well. It's the same garbage um, that is spouted about how the writers of the New Testament had no idea they were writing scripture, despite the fact that Peter refers to Paul's writings as scripture. Now, scripture testifies to itself. They knew that they were writing scripture. In the same way, these liberals will say that, well, Jesus never really claimed to be God, or he, Jesus didn't really think he was God. Excuse me? Let the man speak for himself. And if not the man, let the signs speak for themselves. Jesus has already referenced the signs that he has offered. So again, how do they respond to Jesus? Verse 33, we're not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. And he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. What about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I have said, I am God's son. And what Jesus is doing here is he's doing some acrobatics here to confound them. He's referencing the Psalms, all of which point forward to him all of which testify to the one that is coming, the one that will bring with him 
change, the one that will bring with him peace, the one that will bring with him life and renewal, the one that by the Holy Spirit will write God's laws on your heart. Jesus is talking about himself and he's saying, guys, why are you upset at me for saying this? Your scripture, the scripture, God's word pointed out to you that one was coming. And when he came, he would do the works of God and he would in fact be the son of God. So why are you, why are you angry at me? You know that God's word says this. The issue, y'all, with the Jews then is the same issue that we face now. The issue is not one of a deficiency in God's word. No. They just didn't care what the Bible said. They had the word. And with Jesus, they had the signs that the word pointed to. They just didn't care. You see, that's our problem. That is the human stain to know the word of God, but not care enough to follow it. And we get it honest. What happened in the beginning? Go back and read Genesis 3. You have the serpent coming to Eve. And what is the very first thing that Satan does? He questions God's word. Yea, hath God said... So said the serpent. In other words, did God really say you couldn't do this? Why? God knows if you eat this, you'll be just like him. All Satan did was question the word of God. Did God really say? That's all he had to do. And Eve, more importantly, Adam, responded in kind, doubting God's word. That's what's going on here. Jesus says, you got the Look. You have the word. It testifies to me coming. And now you've seen the signs. And to that end, he continues in verse 37. He says, do not believe me unless I do what my father does. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, you've got it in the word. I was prophesied. The word said that one was coming who would do this. He would be the son of God. But hey, don't take my word for it. Look at what I do. Don't just say, don't just take, you know, it's, it's like this discussion that he had with them about those bearing witness. Jesus's actions bore witness to who he actually was. That's all he's saying to them here. Do not believe me unless I do what my father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the signs that you may know and understand that the Father is in me, and I in the Father. All right? Do you get what Jesus is saying here? Um, I've heard this applied to Copernicus. I think it genuinely happened with Galileo Galilei. Hundreds and hundreds of years ago, considered the father of modern science, an astronomer and engineer. Um, he came out with a very controversial view that the universe does not revolve around the Earth. Right. And the reason he did that was because he was an astronomer. Um, he was brought up on charges of blasphemy by the Roman Catholic Church. They wanted to kill him for it. Eventually, a new pope took office. And I think it was Pope Urban VIII or the seventh. Doesn't really matter. Nevertheless, he was actually friends with Galileo. And in the midst of the Inquisition coming after Galileo, by this time, Galileo was an old man. Right. He was on house arrest. He said to his friend, the pope, he got out his telescope and he said, all right, for, forget about me. Forget about me. Forget about the things that I've said. Just look at it. 
Just, just look. Here's the telescope. I've got it trained, right? He could show through the telescope where the sun was and the fact that the planets are going around the sun, not that the planets are going around the earth. And so he said, just look at it. Forget about me. Don't listen to what I say. Just, just look at it. Y'all, that's what Jesus is doing here. In essence, he's saying, I know you don't believe the words that I'm saying. Forget about it. Look at the signs. Test whether or not I'm doing the kind of things that God the Father does. I've said that I and the Father are one because I'm doing what God does. You don't want to believe me? Believe what you see. Pay attention to the signs. Did they? Well, um, in the case of Galileo, no, the Roman Catholic Church did not. And he was condemned. And I don't think it was until 1981 that they actually reversed their condemnation of Galileo because they finally admitted they were wrong about it. Um, the Jews, interestingly enough, also rejected what Christ said, despite him saying, look at it. But interestingly enough, they have still not come back and corrected the fact that they missed it. Um, how did they respond to this? Verse 39. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. How? Why? Well, we don't know. We just know that it's not Jesus' time yet, and they had no power over him except that which was given to them. So he was able to escape their grasp. They weren't able to, able to kill him, but they also didn't listen. They didn't read the signs. And it's important that that word sign is enunciated here, that it's brought out. Because remember, that's the term that John uses over and over again. These aren't just miracles. They're not just wonders. These are signs. And the value of a sign is what it points to. What Jesus has indicated here, that all of these miracles, all of these signs that he has offered, yes, they benefit the people in time and space. There's no doubt about that man that's born blind. My goodness, of course, it benefited his life positively. But that's not the point. The point is what him healing the man born blind points to. That the signs testify to the fact that Jesus is God there amongst them, that Jesus is the one that had been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years prior to this, that he's the Messiah, that he has come to save his people from their sins. The problem is, is that his people don't see any sin that they need saving from. The only salvation they want is from Rome. They missed it. And so it's at this point that verse 40, then Jesus went back across the Jordan. He leaves Judea at this point. Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. He stayed. Many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Verses 40 through 42 are almost like a microcosm, right? And they point to what is going to happen with the gospel. We know from John 1, he came unto his own, but his own would not receive him. And so the gospel spread nonetheless to the Gentiles. That's what's going on here. Now, with that, chapter 10 ends.
But with that also, we ought to see, receive a swift reminder to pay attention to the signs. And not only the signs that we read in God's word, those are, though those are inerrant, they're infallible. You know, to a certain extent, not even to a certain extent, we have the responsibility to pay attention to the signs in our lives. And no, I'm not saying the wonders and miracles. This is not about continuing revelation or anything like that. Don't worry. This isn't about charismatic stuff. What I'm talking about is paying attention to what the Lord has done in your life. The way that he's provided. The way that he's cared for you. And by the way, a continued sign is what the Holy Spirit does inside you as a result of belonging to Christ. If you have a relationship with the Spirit and can discern that, and I hope that you do. But we're to pay attention to those things, not just let them pass by. Because you see, it's when we dwell on the work of God. It's when our vision, when our focus is trained on Jesus Christ, that our faith is built again and again and again. We are reassured and we become confident, more and more confident in his identity, yes, but in his promises, and most importantly, in his calling to us to hang on, to persevere, that Jesus is in fact worth any present suffering we might face, and that he is good to his word. So, keep these things in mind. And if you know that you don't know him, then all of those promises are yours, but they're only yours in Jesus Christ. Pay attention to what the word says about him. Look at what you can see him doing in other people's lives. And speaking of that, if you belong to him, be ready to tell people what he's doing in your life. And if you don't know him, turn to him today. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. And uh, Father, there have been so many times when I haven't looked at the signs, when I've ignored what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will yet do. And instead, I just want to do things my own way. Forgive me. Help me to have a renewed passion for following you and all those who desire it that are here now. Those who do not know you, I pray that you would help them to see that they are in darkness. Open their eyes that they would see you. Please draw them to yourself. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And yes, I can scroll down and I can see comments. There's Elizabeth, good morning, and Alice and Rose and Becky and Christine. And Monica, yes, fresh mercies today. And Brother Wayne, there you are. And then there is Becky. And I've even, uh, I've even heard, I, I was in South Carolina last week, and uh, my mother told me that, that Gwen, um, and Gwen, I cannot remember your married name, but your maiden name is Beale, um, joins in and listens to this on Sermon Audio, and there's quite a few people that do. The reason I reference this is normally I don't see it this early, but this morning birthdays popped up first thing, and I see that it is Reverend Joe Beale's birthday today, and he, of course, is in glory with our Father. Um, people ask me all the time, when did you know that you wanted to be a pastor? And the fact of the matter is, I don't ever remember a time when I didn't feel called to be a pastor. That is largely due, obviously, it's the Lord's calling. 
but it has a lot to do with Reverend Joe Beal and his wife Annette and, and Gwen and her family. Um, but when my mom and dad had me, my mom went back to work, taught a little Christian school, and Miss Annette and, and Reverend Joe Beal kept me while my mom uh, was in work. And um, anyway, genuinely, one of my earliest memories in life is going on visitation with with Pastor Beal and uh, actually going to Bojangles too. And um, I mean, we're, we're talking about two and three years old here, but I remember being on visitation with him. I remember going up to the church with him, walking to the graveyard with him and Miss Annette and, and how they loved me and cared for me. But it's amazing what the Lord can do in your life to give you a sense of calling. And so apparently before my memory, I told people that I was going to be a pastor. I think it had something to do with eating fried chicken as well. But nevertheless, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, today I'm so grateful for the saints and all those that the Lord has used in my life. Now, that's enough talking. I hope that y'all have a wonderful Tuesday.